Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Coffee in the Word. I'm Sherry Poundstone, your host. I am so excited for our show today. I have my great friend Ingrid Shanklin on the show, which I'll tell you about in just a minute. So um, if you have friends that want to hear this, text them, send them the link afterwards. This is going to be an awesome teaching. Um, I want to tell you just a little bit about Coffee in the Word. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been with us for six and a half years, you don't know how much I appreciate you. It's just amazing. So we are a 15 to 30-minute show, depending on what's going on. And what I do is um, on Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m. Pacific, we do a teaching. Now, I might be the teacher. I might have guest teachers. But what Coffee in the Word is really designed for is a jumping-off point for you. In other words, I truly believe that where we really get the most out of study or messages is when we dig in on our own. So if you listen to a Coffee in the Word show and it it just is a jumping-off point for you to dig deeper into a subject, that's the goal, and that's what we really believe um, God wants us to do with this. So thank you. You can find us on Facebook, uh, Sherry Poundstone Coffee in the Word, You can find us on Twitter at Coffee Word. So go there and find us, connect with us so that you can hear what's going on on the show, what guests we'll have, and that type of thing. Well, I want to pray before we jump in. So Lord Jesus, here we are. I thank you every week for this technology and for this opportunity. And I'm humbled that we can speak your word, that we can spread your message through this show. Lord, I ask that you prepare hearts to hear and receive the message. I ask that you be with Ingrid as she speaks this morning in Jesus' name. Well, I'm going to introduce my friend, Ingrid Shanklin. Now, she is uh, lives in Baltimore, Maryland. She's a wife and a mom. She's also a mentor. She's a biblical lay counselor, a teacher, a preacher, a pastor. She is um, just an amazing author. She has written a book called The Grace of a King. Her deepest desire is to disciple, and I believe that through this book, That's exactly what's going to happen. She's going to be able to disciple people. Um, Again, The Grace of a King is the recently published book, and it's an account of the grace that the Lord has shown in her life. And she says on her website, it's the account of a life transformed. And I love that, you know, because we all want to transform life. Now, I got a hold of this book when we were together at a meeting in Dallas a couple of weeks ago, and I read the entire thing between Dallas and Reno, where I live, on the plane. By the time the plane landed, I was finishing up the book. It was absolutely amazing, very engaging, and filled with such truth. So, Ingrid, welcome to the show. Hi, Sherry. Thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate it. Yes, we we are excited. Well, I'm going to jump right in, and I have a few questions here that will just kind of um, we'll just jump off and ask, and then you go with go wherever you want to go with it. But I have a question: Do you believe that God pursues us with His grace before we're saved, before we're following Him? Absolutely. And um, if you would have asked me that question a few years ago, I probably would not have been able to give you an astute answer. But based on uh, my own life story. I believe very firmly and solidly that God does pursue us even before we ever knew him. And I say that because my own life story is a true testimony that um, God does intend to save us. I believe that he makes himself known to us um, with, you know, people that he puts across our path and instances that we have and things that experiences that happen to us. I believe that all of that collectively speaks very largely to the grace of God to us before we're ever saved. Ah, That is so good. 
And I think if we all look back on our lives, we can probably see his pursuit of us, but we aren't conscious of it maybe at the time. That's amazing. That is such a good word. Um, what about the messes and situations that you might have gotten yourself into? By the way, I absolutely love the way you write, and I love the description of your different situations at different times in your life. But do you believe any messes or situations you got yourself into were like a setup um, to be rescued by God? Oh, absolutely, Sherry. There's really no doubt in my mind. Uh, in my book, the first part of my book, I begin. I start my book, uh, begins when I'm about 14, and um, I get into a relationship with a young man, and the, the relationship immediately becomes sexual. And as a result of that, um, I had a pregnancy scare a couple of months after I first started having sex. And mind you, I'm 15 years old, and um, I'm doing adult things, but I'm still very much a child. I'm thinking like a child, I'm behaving like a child, but I'm involved in adult activity. And as a result of the pregnancy scare, um, I really got to the point where I was so afraid that I didn't know what else to do. And at one point, I cried out to God because I knew that being pregnant was not something that was going to work for me at that stage in my life with everything else that was going on. And um, that was a big mess, and that mess was the first time ever in my life that I cried out to God. And at that time, God was unknown to me. But what I love about it is that he was, um, he, I did not know him, but he knew me fully. And um, that mess and that situation, I believe, was the catalyst for me meeting God um, about five or six years later. I really do believe that that was the beginning of it for me. So I'd say yes. Um, God yes. really did rescue me from a bunch of stuff. Still continues to rescue me to this day. Yes. You know, I like something that you just said, that you were a child involved in adult activity. You know, I think that is such a, um, wow, our whole culture. You know, the kids kids now, teenagers now, little kids now, are actually almost asked to be responsible for things that are that are not childlike. They're not they don't have what it takes to even deal with these things. And I think so many women are going to relate to this part of your story because uh different cultural um guidelines, so to speak, have you know, depending on the generation that we're raised in, it was like okay to do these adult things even though we weren't and sometimes what I liked about your book, you said you really never even thought about it. It was just like the next step. Well I know a lot of us raised in my generation, certainly thought that too. So I just think that's really good. Um, and let me just ask you a question that I, I'm not clear on. Were you, did you have church expo- exposure at that time? Were you part of a church at all? or? Um, no, not at all. Um, okay. I did not know God at all, and we did not go okay. to church. And while there were some people in my family that, you know, identified themselves as Christians, I did not know Jesus at all. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, here's the thing that I believe if we can get our kids and keep our kids in church, even if they're, you know, maybe say they're bored, they don't want to go, let's face it, God's word does not return void. So if we have our kids in community, a church community, I do believe that it's going to help them with these decisions that maybe you and I didn't do too well on. So, um, so what have, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I, I completely agree because um, given my, history and my background, when I had my own kids, that was something that I really prayed for, especially the part where, um, you know, I was a young girl involved in adult activity, and I look back on my story now, and I realize that some of the things that 
um, it was so obvious that I had no idea what I was doing because I had no idea how to really properly take care of myself. Um, I had no wisdom to draw from. So in my situation when I had my own children, that was always a prayer that my kids could be in a community where there would be some type of wisdom spoken into my life by somebody that they didn't necessarily have to hear it from my voice, but that I would teach them to understand and know the voice of wisdom so that when it spoke, they could hear it and heed it. So that was always a prayer of mine, simply based on my own experience. Oh, that's great. That's great. And I know you have done that for your kids, and I know they're amazing, and that's just awesome. Well, I wanted to ask you about three words. What have the words relent, repent, and consent meant in your life? Oh, wow. (laughs) Well, Sherry, I have to be honest with you. Um, It took a while for me to get the concept of relenting. And relenting or the word relent defined means to soften in feeling or temper or determination and to become more mild and compassionate and forgiving. And um, I was not at all eager to relent in those early seasons of my life, definitely not before I became saved. And then as a saved woman and as a young wife and a young mother, um, I was not eager to relent. Um, I was going to hold on to my position. I dug my heels in. I'm going to go out, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go out like this. I'm going to hold on to it until I die. And it was a series of events and situations that took place in my life, mostly through physical suffering and emotional suffering, that God began to exact my relent. I mean, he told me, you are going to give this up one way or the other and I'm going to see to it, and we won't leave this place until you do. And so um, I had to go through some really difficult seasons of life before I relented. And then once I relented, where God could get me to a place where I would soften in feeling, where I wasn't so rigid and so adamant and so hard-headed, he began to teach me about repentance and what it really meant to feel sorry and to, to have a... Uh, a a reproach, if you will, about one's own behavior. And I feel like um, in our kingdom culture today, we have really missed out on the beauty of repentance. Uh, We we don't teach it anymore. Um, There is really no conviction. We're we're not convicted. We're not convinced about our sin. And, you know, I've often said that if we teach a culture that there is no sin, then we've also, by default, called a culture that there is no need for a Savior. And so um, in relenting and repenting, God just simply wearing me down and bringing me to my knees about these issues that I had just so doggedly held on to, he exacted my consent, and I gave God the permission, and I agreed with him to yield. I agreed with him to stand down. I agreed with him to... Uh, just repent to 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 give it up, as it were. Um, I finally came to a place where I said, "Okay, God, you're in charge. Um, I've done it my way for a long time, and it's yielded me nothing. And so I do relent today. I do repent today, and I do consent today for you to do your will in my life, whatever that looks like, whatever that costs. And um, I'm not leaving this place for the rest of my life. So. Those three words are pretty heavy in my life, and I refer to them often because God often reminds me, okay, 
you've not given me permission in this area and you're kind of hard and you're kind of rigid and I need you to let it go. And then I give him my consent to be God. That is amazing. I love that. And you know what you were saying about repentance, not being taught a lot about repentance. Sometimes in the church today, I really believe that. I love those words. Those are powerful words, relent, repent, and consent. That's amazing. Well, I want to ask you this question, too. Now, this is probably a deep one, but what's the hardest thing for you to do personally in your journey with Christ? Like, what would be the biggest challenge in this journey? Um, I think right now at this season of my life, um, my 40s are almost over. Um, I am almost an empty nester. I've been married for 30 years. Um, To really trust God with the rest of my life. Um, I've had, like I said earlier, some real serious uh, physical challenges, and I've dealt with a very deep depression and um, some other, you know, mental illness. And those things really aren't easy to talk about. Um, I'm an African-American woman, and from an African-American standpoint, um, sometimes in the African-American culture, um, it's not really accepted to talk about mental illness, and we don't do it, and so we suffer in silence. I don't wear it as a banner. I just simply admit that I went through it, but that God has been faithful to me. And the hardest thing is to trust God with what I don't know, Um, you know, about my life, about my family, about my children, about my health, uh, to really trust God with the unknown and not get myself worked up to a point where I'm not trusting him, but that I've created an idol in my heart about the need to know. That, I think, is one of the most challenging because in this particular situation where I'm in between things in a lot of areas, it could go either way. Control of it and do it in a way that would ensure my comfort or I could let it go and allow God to produce in me a level of holiness I've never known and do the thing that best suits his plans and purposes for me, and that is a struggle. Um, To be honest with you, um, I believe that my weaknesses, um, he says in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12 that we would rather boast in our weaknesses. And in this season of my life, he's teaching me to do that. It's not popular. It's not something that I would probably run out in the street and proclaim. But that is the tool that God is using to keep me tethered to him in this season is the uncertainty and the unknown that causes this weakness in me that keeps him close. Because he says that when I am weak, His strength is made perfect so that when I am weak, I am in fact strong. And I'm learning to appreciate that has been very difficult. But it's the thing that um, I'm, that's the class I'm taking right now. And um, he's not going to allow me to leave the class until I have succeeded and this thing is woven into the fabric of my life, that it is in my spiritual DNA and not just a sweater that I can take off and on, but that it is in me and a part of my spiritual character. Oh, that is so good. That is so good. You know, and what going back to just one thing you said a, a minute ago about the depression and things that are not talked about. You know, I believe that in the church in general, whether no matter what culture you come from, the church in general doesn't want to talk about depression or anxiety or these things that we can can face. And I believe there needs to be more of that. There needs to be more testimony of God's goodness 
of course, in those situations, but also just recognizing that, hey, it can happen. You can love Jesus and have and, and, and go through a time of depression, that kind of thing. So I'm just going to encourage you, and I really feel it's Holy Spirit saying this. I'm just going to encourage you, Ingrid, to dig deeper into that, maybe do some writing about that, maybe get some stuff out there that could help people in that area. Um, and that's just a word that I, I just felt like I was getting for you as you were talking. Well, thank you, Sherry. I really appreciate that. It really caused me to dig deeper, and what I discovered was that several um, of the people in the Bible, they suffered greatly with all kinds of things. Um, David, Jeremiah, um, Elijah, you know, all these people had some things happen to them that really caused them to be depressed. And I think that when we have taken from the Bible only what serves us positively, we miss the full counsel of the Word of God. And um, the Word of God includes things for people who are depressed, discouraged, um, feeling some type of way about what... And I think to throw that out and discount it as though it does not exist does us a disservice, and then it does God a huge disservice because he can't minister to us in it. And um, to deny that, I'm not saying, hey, everybody go out and get depressed, but more often than not, when we face situations that are emotionally debilitating, is there a savior for that? And the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. That's so good. And I think it, I really believe it needs to be talked about. And boy, there comes the grace of the king, right? He has grace Amen. in all situations. So. Well, let me just ask you um, this question. You've gone through a lot of different things in your life. You had a lot of experiences, and, and, and a lot of those are in the book, which are amazing. But is there anything that you would trade? Is there anything you wish you hadn't gone through? Um, I suppose if you were to have asked me that while I was in it, I would probably have had 40 things to tell you. But in retrospect, I would have to say no. Um, Every experience that I had uh, from dealing with the aftermath of being a promiscuous teenager and um, dealing with health concerns that cropped up after that and dealing with the discouragement that came after I didn't immediately obey God, all of that, what it did for me was it brought me to my knees and it brought me to the place where I became a student of God's word. And had none of those things happened to me, I probably would not be in the position I am in today. And I say that um, with the utmost humility Um, and gratitude in my heart because I've not arrived anywhere. I just know that the things that I've suffered, like in the book of Hebrews it says Jesus learned obedience to the things he suffered, and those things taught me how to obey. They taught me how to be quiet. Um, They taught me how to be still. They taught me how to worship. And I think of everything that I endured, the worship piece is the one that I um, am most endeared to because had I not gone through those experiences, I would not have learned how to worship. And so um, I would probably have to say at this moment, I would not take anything from my journey right now. wouldn't say I would want to go through it again, but right. what I did glean from it has been valuable and it serves me well at this season of my life. 
awesome. You know, God doesn't waste pain. He takes all of the experiences. And things were, were definitely in your life and my life and in our listeners' lives that were actually meant to take us out. But it didn't take you out. It instead turned you toward the king. And um, I just love that. And so I think it's great that um, you're able to see all of those experiences, how they actually led you to the Lord instead of away from him. Well, Amen. we're coming to the end of our time. So, um, Ingrid, if you would just let everybody know how, if they want to get a copy of your book, if um, if you have a website, that kind of thing, can you give them that information, please? Yes, I can. Um, I do actually have a website. Um, it's IngridShanklin.com, and um, it, there you'll find that you can uh, download a free chapter in the book, and you can actually order your own copy of the book and um, if you contact me, if you'd like to contact me, you can find me on Facebook. Um, my name is Ingrid Palmore Shanklin on Facebook and then simply Ingrid Shanklin on Instagram. And if you'd like to contact me via email, I can be found at Ingrid, that's I-N-G-R-I-D, at altered, A-L-T-E-R-E-D, the number four, life, dot O-R-G, and you can contact me there, ask me questions, you can email me, however you want to do it. But again, I can be found at IngridShanklin.com where you can order your copy of The Grace of the King and on Facebook and Instagram. Haven't figured out the whole Twitter thing yet, but Facebook and Instagram, I think I have enough to just be dangerous. <laughs> I love that. This social media thing, it's a constant learning experience, isn't it? Always. And yet, yes, but the way of the world. Well, I want to thank you for being my guest this morning. This has just been amazing. And, and listeners, if you would like to read an excellent book about the grace of the king, uh, I would really encourage you to get a hold of this. Contact Ingrid if you have questions or if you have concerns or if you want prayer for anything that she talked about today. Um, because I know that she will quickly respond. So I thank you. Um, Ingrid, you are an awesome woman of God, and I just want to bless you. Lord, we bless Ingrid, and we ask that you would prepare her for the next step and the next part of her life, and that you would just increase her faith and increase her trust. In Jesus' name. Well, listeners, I will talk with you next week. Bye-bye.